listening to the Bill Sunday School Podcast. Let's just start with a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you love us and that you are passionate about us and that um, you sent Jesus to die for us on the cross. And we're so grateful um, for that sacrifice. God, I just ask that you would be here with us this morning, that you would give us wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who you are, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened and that we would know the hope of our calling. God, that we would see you and that we would see you rightly. God, that we wouldn't um, see you as the world um, tells us who you are, but that we would see you as you truly are, holy, worthy, high and lifted up, exalted. So Jesus, um, we just give you our lives this morning and we just ask that you would have your will and that you would have your way. Um, We just uh, glorify you and we praise you in your holy name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to be talking a little bit this morning. Um, I've called, as you can kind of see in your um, skillet, I was calling it the bulletin and that's like old school. I forgot about that. Um, uh, It's called the passion for Jesus. So cultivating passion for Jesus and what that looks like and how we um, cultivate intimacy and walking uh, in relationship with the Lord. Um, So... In preparing for today, uh, Joe has given me graciously a month to prepare for this <laughs> for this time today. Um, and I was having a really hard time trying to figure out what I was going to talk about. I came up with all of these notes, and I'm like, this just doesn't... I don't know. I'm just not feeling this. I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do, Lord, so would you direct me? And um, so basically, all the notes that I did before are not done. So on Wednesday, this last Wednesday, I was like, okay... What can we talk about? So I'm I'm talking about cultivating passion for Jesus, and I'm going to focus today on mercy, uh, the mercy of God. Um, So I kind of want to start it out uh, telling you a little bit about my story and my testimony. Um, Who is Aaron? That's a good question. Um, Basically, I grew up uh, in a a lo- very loving family. Um, my, uh, I would say that we are uh, a religious family. Um, went to church because that's kind of what you did on uh, Sundays, but never really a relationship uh, with the Lord. <clears throat> uh, didn't even know that the Lord really wanted to have a relationship with me. So just trying to, just going through life, um, I, was, I was abused a little bit as a child, and so that opened up some doors that um, really should not have been opened at such a young age. So went through some of that, and I remember in high school thinking, you know what? I'm going to do what I want to with my life right now, and then at the very end of my life, I'll give my life to Jesus. <laughs> and I don't know if I ever really consciously said that, but in my heart, that's, I remember thinking that, and in my mind thinking that, and I just really think the Lord has a sense of humor because <laughs> I never thought that I would ever be um, a pastor at a church. Um, and so, uh, so I really think that God has a sense of humor. Um, but... I went to college at Baylor University. I went there for four years. And during my, I think it was my sophomore year of college there, we found out that my dad had cancer. And that just really got our family just on a search for truth and what's real and what's not. And why do we believe what we say we believe? Do we believe this or do we believe that? Um, 
my parents started going to a church that talked about being born again, and um, and I I kind of was the last on the bandwagon to jump onto the whole like yes I'm giving my life to Jesus. Um, after my dad passed away, I ended up giving my life to the Lord, but still just really living at a uh, a low level of Christianity. Just kind of you know show up to church, maybe read like a verse in the Bible um, every night, but really just kind of walking through life without a whole lot of purpose, still really hurt um, and confused about what God was doing in my life, why did my dad die, all these other things. So um, it wasn't until I was about 25 um, when I ended up uh, getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and going through a really um, big repentance stage. So um, as all of us know, just walking with the Lord, there is a lot of repentance that needs to happen throughout the course of our life. Um, every day we screw up and we make mistakes. So um, constantly being a, in a state of repentance. But I had some really big root issues um, that I was dealing with in my life. And at 25, it was like, okay, do I really believe what I say that I'm believing? Um, and if yes, then the, this, this is a time where I'm defining my life and I'm wanting to move forward uh, in my walk with the Lord in a dramatic, uh, dramatic way. And I think pretty much at that time, I really began to realize um, uh, the mercy of God and what that meant um, and just the blood and the sacrifice that he made for us on the cross and what a, a powerful, powerful uh, thing that is that most of us, when we think about it, we're like, you know, what, what is mercy? I don't under, you know, I think I know what it is, but I don't really maybe have an idea. Um, so, and we'll talk about that here in a second. Um, <clears throat> but... Uh, decided after after this time I was working in Wisconsin, so um, which is very cold and different. <laughs> so um, which is very different from Texas, which is where I'm from. So I guess the polar I got the polar extremes. I got the super super hot weather in Texas, and then the super super cold in Wisconsin. And so now I've kind of ended up in the balance here in Colorado Springs. So which I love. Uh, anyways, sidetrack. I don't know where I got off on that. But <clears throat> um, so just kind of at this time really realized my total need for the Lord. And I just had this um, tenacity in my heart and in my spirit of like, I need to learn as much as I can about the Lord. I just had this deep hunger and um, just wanting to know more about uh, who he was because I really didn't know a whole lot. Um, so I ended up going to CFNI, which is a Bible school in Dallas, Texas, and um, really started to learn uh, to hear the Lord's voice. And I want to share a story about that uh, here in a second. Um, <clears throat> but I kind of wanted you guys to, um, just a little discussion question, maybe in your group for just a, a few minutes, um, just asking each other, what is mercy? What do you think mercy is? Maybe what's an example in your life that um, you've seen mercy displayed or maybe a movie that you've seen that is like, yes, this is really a good depiction of what mercy is. So if you guys want to take a couple of minutes and just kind of talk amongst yourself for a sec, and I'll come back up here in just a second. Okay, did everybody get to talk a little bit about that? Amongst yourselves. 
<laughs> okay. Um, I'll go ahead and define it, and then I kind of want to go back up a little bit, um, and then we'll come back down. But go up and then down. Anyways, um, mercy, the Webster defines mercy as compassion or forbearance shown especially to an offender or to one's subject to one's power, a blessing that is an act of divine favor or compassion. Um, and just kind of want to look at Revelation uh, 4.3. Um, it kind of depicts about, uh, it's talking about uh, what we see around the throne, or in the throne room, and the, uh, the throne room of God uh, in heaven. It says, Revelation 4.3, it says, He who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Uh, the Jasper Stone, I'm learning some new things about the book of Revelation because God is doing some interesting things in me, so I'm going to tie in some, uh, some different things. But um, the Jasper Stone, colors represent different things to the Lord. I don't know if any of you know that, but there's certain colors that, um, like the, the colors of the, the tribes, um, the tribes of Israel, um, they all have a colored stone. But this, it's talking about the jasper stone. And the jasper stone is like a diamond. It's like a diamond-like stone, and it represents the beauty of God, the light of God. I would have thought like jasper would have been like some kind of greenish color, but um, it's actually like a diamond color, and it, uh, it represents the beauty of God and the light of God. It tells us um, in Psalms, it said, God wraps himself as God wraps himself in light as with a garment. Um, so he is radiant light um, and just very beautiful. Um, and it says, uh, and a sardius stone. He looks like a sardius stone, which is um, a deep red color that talks about the passion of God and how he's um, intensely jealous for our affections and for our hearts. And he won't settle for anything less than fully and completely all of our lives. Um, and then it talks about um, there is a rainbow around the throne, surrounding the throne in appearance like an emerald. And em- the emerald color, the green color, represents mercy, the mercy of God. And a lot of times I think um, as we're going about our daily lives and we're messing up as we are humans and we mess up and we're like, oh, great. I have to ask for mercy again from the Lord. And I don't really want to do it because I don't really know if he wants to give it to me or whatever. Um, but we'll get back to this a little bit later. But God is constantly wanting to extend mercy. He's continually wanting to give that to, to us. And it's such a big part of who he is that that is um, something that he highlights in the throne room as he is um, showing, giving a John um, a depiction of who he is in the throne room. So he's beautiful, he's passionate, and he's merciful, um, which are two very, very specific things that God is. And I just wanted to talk a little bit. Um, I was going to share another story. When I was at Christ for the Nations, um, I was just so excited to be there and to learn more of the Lord, about the Lord. And I kind of went on this thing where I'm like, I don't even want to date anybody. I just want to give my time to the Lord and just learn as much as I can. Um, well, this guy ended up um, <laughs> coming in the picture. And um, so it kind of set a different trajectory than what I thought. But I knew in the deep part of my heart, I knew that this person wasn't the person that I needed to be with, um, 
but I went on a mission trip to um, Sweden and Finland. And on that trip, it was just like, no, this is not the right relationship for me. I'm going to come back and I'm going to end it. And got back and I ended ended the relationship. Um, but then like a couple of months down the road, like probably like a month down the road, um, I was at school, I was all by myself and, um, I just was really lonely. I didn't have any friends there. And so because of that, I got back into this relationship with this guy and it kind of perpetuated some things that were not, not very good in my life. Um, as you all can probably guess what that is. But anyways, um, just through that process, just God, um, really kind of me getting to a low point of like, is this what I, I remember thinking, um, is this what I really deserve? Is this the best that I can have? Um, kind of going on a, on a trajectory of those kinds of thoughts and coming to a place of, <clears throat> we had uh, Doug Weiss, do you know Doug Weiss? He's come to the mill a couple of times. So we had Doug Weiss come to the school and just was really talking about holiness and purity. And so I just realized after that, um, after he came and spoke that this is, this is not the person that I need to be with. And so I ended up breaking things off with him. And I had one of the most powerful encounters that I've ever had with the Lord um, the night that I broke things off with this guy. Because I remember telling myself in my head all the time, Lord, if I'm not supposed to be with this guy, just make him break up with me. <laughs> I'm like, who says those kinds of things? But that was me. <laughs> kind of hard-headed and stubborn, but that's okay. <laughs> God has mercy on us. Um, so anyways, um, ended up breaking things off with this guy. And um, uh, that night when I was just, I was upset uh, just because I had developed some attachments with him that shouldn't have been there. Um, and because of that, I was just really um, upset because I didn't want to hurt him. And, um, but anyway, so just because of that, I had the best way I can describe it, I guess, would be more like a vision. And the Lord basically showed up in my room. And I don't remember seeing his face. I just remember bright light, just bright light. And I remember not wanting to move because I was like, he could kill me. <laughs> just having these thoughts run through my head, I just the... The like, you know, God is holy and he's pure and he's, he's beautiful, but, um, and he's so gracious and compassionate. But if I move, I likely could die. But I remember feeling like I don't want him to leave because he just brought out this cleanliness, you know, in me. And basically what he did is he, um, he said, Aaron, now that you've been obedient to do what I told you to do from the beginning, you can do the things that I've called you to do. And then he like reached inside of my body and like ripped out garbage that I'd allowed in my life. And I think that through um, just kind of going back through Revelation, um, the Jasper stone, you know, the, the diamond-like light and the beauty of God, just really seeing that in a powerful way um, in that vision that I had of, had of the Lord. And then the passion of the Lord, his holiness and his purity and his righteousness, um, seeing that in the Sardia stone. Um, and then the mercy kind of came along a little bit in a slower, slower fashion for my life. But that's kind of more what I want to talk about this morning. So I want to look at, um, let's see, Matthew 9. Is some of this making sense? Hopefully. <laughs> uh, Matthew 9. Um, this is talking about, it's uh, Matthew 9, 9, 
9 through 13. Um, And it's basically the story of when Jesus is calling Levi or Matthew, the tax collector, to come and um, be a part of his inner circle, which was just very interesting that Jesus, he always, not always, but a lot of times he uses the totally disqualified, the ones that everybody hates or the harlot or whatever it is, um, to be a part of what he's doing, a part of his master plan, which... It's such, a, it's such an awesome thing because that means he's got grace and hope and love for all of us um, and a purpose for all of us because we're all messed up. Anyways, um, so let me just read this. It says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax office and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Um, So just kind of want to look at this just really quick, um, but go and learn what it means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Um, There are some things that we do, like in the kingdom, uh, or just in just being around people that are Christians. Some things, when we're in worship, God just immediately breaks in and he gives us revelation on something or he speaks directly to our heart. Um, he tells us something that he wants us to do. He gives us vision for our life. Sometimes he just does that in an instant. And you don't, just because you're there, he just does it, which is an awesome thing about who God is. But it says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. So there are some things in the word that we have to actually go after and that we have to search out and we have to learn about. And that means uh, it requires some work and some effort and actually walking out what it means to display the character aspects of what mercy is. Um, So talking about compassion or forbearance shown, especially to an offender or to one's subject, uh, to one's power, which typically means that we're extending um, forgiveness to people that have hurt us or wronged us, um, which are challenging things when you're like, you know, these people have put a wound in my heart that has deeply affected uh, who I am. And to forgive them is... A massive, massive thing, and it takes it takes energy, and it it takes effort, and it takes a searching out to find out what that means. Um, but I love how Jesus uh, goes, and he uh, as he's talking to uh, uh, to the people around him um, at this time, and he's like the sick. Um, I'm I I come to call. I do not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I think it's very, just very inter- interesting that it's the Pharisees, they had an idea that they were righteous. And I think sometimes we think that we're righteous and that we deserve to be a part of the kingdom. We must have done something right, that Jesus would give us the opportunity to come be a part of him. I mean, I'm super awesome. I've got so many great things to say. I just deserve to be a part of this. And in actuality, none of us... None of us have any, we did nothing to come to be a part of the kingdom. Everything um, was based on what Jesus did on the cross and how he uh, lived and died um, 
for the betterment of humanity and to give himself as a sacrifice unto death. He paid the ultimate sacrifice and um, extended us mercy when we were in and of ourselves filthy sinners and calling him horrible things and spitting on him. And I remember just in my mind, just thinking, I'll give my life to the Lord at the very end of my life because he's not worthy enough to, to give my life to him now. And just those thought patterns that I think, I don't know if maybe you guys have some of those same processes, but some of those things are things that I have thought through the course of my life, not realizing that I, in and of myself, I am nothing. You know, I'm not righteous, but through Christ, um, he's given me, he's given me a place. He's given me, um, purpose and, um, a destiny. Um, anyways, I kind of wanted to read this, um, out of Aaron's favorite book, uh, The Knowledge of the Holy um, by A.W. Tozer. So I'm sure some of you have already picked this up and read this, but just wanted to read something really quick, kind of displaying the mercy of God. It says, when through the blood of the everlasting covenant, we children of the shadows reach at last our home in the light, we shall have a thousand strings to our harps, but the sweetest may well be the one tuned to sound forth most perfectly the mercy of God. For what right will we have to be there? Did we not by our sins take part in that unholy rebellion which rashly sought to dethrone the glorious king of creation? And did we not in times past walk according to the course of this world, according to the evil prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience? And did we not all at once live in the lusts of our flesh? And were we not by nature the children of wrath, even as, um, even as others? But we who were one-time enemies and alienated in our minds through wicked works shall then see God face to face, and his name shall be in our foreheads. He who earned, he, we who earned banishment shall enjoy communion. We who deserve the pains of hell shall know the bliss of heaven, and all through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring um, from on high hath visited us. So just, um, I thought it just very well put that, you know, we, by the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus that he died on the cross for us, uh, to give us, um, that is the only way that we have access into the throne room of God. And once we begin to think that we are righteous, uh, and that it's our own merit and our own worth that, um, gives us access into the throne room, that's when we start to get into a little bit of a trouble. Um, let's see. Um, so just thank goodness for the Lord's patience with us as we walk out, you know, the process of our lives. Um, and just uh, coming to a point, there's a verse in Ephesians um, 1, and it says... Um, because a lot of our problem, I think, is that we don't know who the Lord is or we have a wrong view or concept of who he is because of maybe some of our experiences in the world, like who our friends say he is, who um, television says he is, who, um, you know, even pastors, you know, if we're not willing to search out some of those things, you're kind of just relying on my experiences. Um, uh, and sometimes my experiences can be not far off if they're not based on the word of God. So um, just coming to a point of 
uh, it says in Ephesians, it says, God, uh, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who you are. So we need to constantly be asking for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who Jesus is, because for the most part, we have no clue who he is. I mean, when we get to, we get to heaven and we um, are with the Lord uh, all the time, he will constantly be revealing new things about himself for eternity. You're like, how is that even possible? Because we have no concept of what eternity is. And we're like, how can we be learning something new about the Lord, you know, every second of every day or whatever that looks like. And even in the throne room in Revelation 4, it talks about the angels um, crying out continually, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty. I I just... um, I listened to this sermon one time. I just thought it was really funny. Um, But he was talking about, um, this is kind of a side note, so I don't know where this is going exactly, but I just think it's cool. But it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of the Almighty. And basically they just sing holy, holy, holy all the time. And a lot of times, you know, we think as we're doing worship songs for like, that have all these words in them and these angels sing the the same word all the time and they never get bored of singing it because they're constantly seeing new things about God and how cool that would be for us, you know, to constantly, as we're constantly gazing on the Lord, we're becoming so enthralled with who he is that all we can say is holy, holy, holy. Um, just so just constantly singing that word. So anyways, that's kind of a side note, but I thought it was kind of cool. Um, But thank God that he has mercy on us and that he's constantly um, wanting us to come to him. Um, But a lot of our problem is we just don't know his character. And so a lot of times we accuse him. I'm guilty of this too. God, do you really have a good plan for my life? Do you really know what you're doing? Because this is the way it is right now. And I don't see any way out of this. Um, So a lot of times we don't know the true nature of who God is. And he is good. Um, Everything that he does is good. Um, And so uh, a lot of that has to do... Uh, let's see, I had a question. So how do we see God rightly? And I believe that that is largely, uh, that largely deal with, deals with how we see and view mercy. Um, God is mercy. He loves mercy and he loves to extend mercy. So, um, it's just, it's not just something where he's like, oh great, they screwed up again. I guess I'm going to have to give them mercy. You know, they are coming to ask me. So I'm not very excited to do it, but you know, I guess they're coming and gods of love. I mean, that's what they do. They extend mercy. They extend love. (laughs) Uh, It's kind of part of the job description. And when that's totally not the case, the Lord, like I said, around the throne room, the covenantal mercy surrounding the throne, he loves it. He loves to extend mercy. He just wants us to come and ask. And he wants us to come and ask in faith and believing that as we ask and we ask for forgiveness, that he has forgiven us and that we can let it go and that we can leave it at the cross and we don't have to carry it around. I grew up in the Catholic church and just really thought that I had to beat myself up about my sin all the time. When I messed up, I'm constantly carrying these sins around with me, Um, not knowing that God, once we come, doesn't matter how bad it is, which is another awesome thing about God, is that when we come and we ask for forgiveness um, and we mean it from the depths of our heart that he is faithful and just to forgive. Now, that doesn't mean that he 
likes our sin. He's holy and he's pure and he hates sin. But that doesn't mean that he hates us. Um, He just hates the sin that keeps us bound up um, because he wants us to be free. He wants us to be free to love him, free to live a life that is exceedingly abundantly above anything that we could ever ask or even imagine. Um, So when we come in faith and believe that God is a God of mercy, allowing him uh, to to be merciful to us. And when we do that um, and we allow the Lord uh, to forgive us in that way and enables us to be uh, who he's called us to be. And actually, I've noticed this just in my own life. It's like the more I come to know Jesus's mercy for my life, it's like sin. I don't want Basically, for my life, I don't want sin to be something that defines my life. I don't want this to be something, because I remember the enemy just really got me uh, bound up in like, Aaron, you have done this so many times. This is going to be, this is who you are. This is who you are, and this will always be this way. And that is just such a lie from the enemy. This is not... Sin is not what defines us. We are born, you know, into this world by God our Father. We are created in his image. And because of that, um, he wants us to be holy as he is holy. And that is actually a possibility as we walk out the course of our life. We will continue to sin, um, but that's where the mercy of God comes in um, and continually helps us uh, overcome um, and move forward. I was going to say something really good and I forgot what it was. (laughs) <laughs> I hate it when that happens. Um, anyways, so, uh, but Jesus just, he wants us to live lives that are free. And he wants us to live lives that are consumed with him. Oh, that's what, what it was. Um, a lot of times we, um, uh, with our sin in our life, we like, we like to say, oh, how can I get close to this, to this line? With act, maybe not actually crossing over it, but staying as close to I can so I can do what I want to do but, and still be okay, you know, with the Lord. Um, when in actuality, it's like, I have gotten such an awesome view of who God is. Just like that, that vision that I had with the Lord, it changed my life drastically. And it's like this line of sin, I don't even want to get close to it. I want to be pushed away from that. I want to turn the opposite direction and I want to gaze on who God is, the beauty of who God is, the passion that's in his heart for me. Um, just like it's talking about in Revelation 4 again, you know, the beauty and the passion of Jesus. And the more that we stay on the fence and on the line, the more our our eyes and our focus becomes dull and dim. And we start to believe more of what the culture says about who God is and about who we are. Um, and because of that, we have a wrong view of who we are and we have a self-condemning view of who we are. Um, and we don't see uh, who God is clearly. Some of that making sense? Okay. <laughs> um, I wanted to read um, another story. Um, and this is talking about Mary Magdalene. Um, it's in Luke, let's see, 7, uh, 36 through 50. It's kind of long, but I just think it's really good. So most of you know, know this story anyways, but I'm just going to read it again. Uh, Mary Magdalene is the one too, that, um, they believe that Jesus cast out seven demons. She's also the one that was the first one to see Jesus after he rose from the dead. And, um, she was at the cross, um, 
just super passionate about the Lord. So anyways, I want to read this. It says, a sinful woman forgiven is the title. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with a with the fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, which I just think is funny that Jesus reads thoughts. <laughs> I think he's, sorry, I'll get back to this during a second. I just think this is a little side note, but how Jesus is like the ultimate superhero <laughs> because he can like walk through walls. He can read people's thoughts. He can, <laughs> he does all sorts of interesting. He's got eyes of fire. So I just, anyways, I just think that's funny. So anyways, he, he, Jesus um, was reading this guy's mail. Um, So it says, and when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, he didn't say anything, he just thought it. (laughs) Um, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head, with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Um, And so I just think this is a beautiful uh, description of the mercy of God. And when we realize the depravity of our sin nature, none of us are righteous. None of us deserve to go to heaven. None of us. Um, And I think it's healthy for us sometimes to see the darkness and the wickedness that's in our hearts. Um, It says in Song of Solomon 1, I think it's 6, but I am dark but lovely. Um, And recognizing the darkness that's in our hearts. um, Because when we recognize it, we see the need to lean completely on Jesus because he is the only righteous one. Um, So when we're found, uh, when we realize some of the darkness that's in our heart, the more that we see our complete need to Jesus, uh, need for Jesus, we get pushed into his presence. And I think just this woman... um, because of the life that she lived, I'm sure part of the life that she lived, she realized the darkness that was in her heart. And because she realized that to such an extent, she realized that, that Jesus was her only hope. She was the only one that could save her. And she was really willing to do whatever it is that Jesus wanted. I mean, she didn't care that she was breaking probably every rule in the book by coming in and being at Jesus's feet and, um, 
you know, pouring oil on him, weeping profusely, um, being at the cross, you know, being the, the first one to see Jesus. I mean, there's just so many examples where it's like, she, I, I, I mean, I just can't even imagine what it must have been like to be around Jesus where you're just like, people were changed, you know, just by being in his presence and just seeing, sorry, just seeing the mercy of God and seeing how even when we don't, especially when we don't deserve it, he freely gives it and he loves to extend it. Um, you see that in, in David's life. You know, one thing I desire of the Lord and that which I seek to dwell in the house of the Lord every day of my life. Um, Paul, totally devoted to the Lord, you know, seeing, you know, just the wickedness and, I mean, murdering people, just seeing the yuck that's in, you know, in our hearts just really helps us and pushes us, hopefully, into the Lord's presence where we realize, Jesus, we are messed up and we need you um, to take over and take control. Um, And then he gives us grace to be able to walk that lifestyle out, which is such an awesome thing about, you know, having the Holy Spirit in us to tell us, you know, the direction that we need, you know, that we need to be going and walking out our faith in power. Anyway, sorry. Um, uh, Let's see. So, yeah, so just coming back to the the fact that Jesus just loves to extend mercy and we don't ever have to be coming into his throne room timidly um, or afraid. He wants us to come in boldly to the throne room, asking for forgiveness and leaving it there and then being being in a posture of giving all of our heart to the Lord. Um, so just having, having that be, you know, the forefront of our mind, you know, sin is not something that we want to define our lives, but as we learn to accept the mercy of God, it becomes something that we don't want to be a part of because we don't want, um, because we, because we've seen the Lord, we don't want to engage in things that, um, keep us, Uh, enable us to have a continued dull spirit um, and allow us to hear less and less, you know, the the Lord's voice. Um, I listened to something just recently and... um, the, they were, uh, somebody was asking this teacher, they were like, why is it so hear, hard to, you know, hear the Lord's voice? Like I can hear my friend, you know, when my friends talk to me, I totally hear them. Obviously they're right in front of me. Um, but sometimes it's just really hard to hear the Lord's voice. And this guy was like, it's because you're nothing like the Lord. <laughs> you know, he wants to talk about how he loves to extend mercy to people, how he loves to, ex- um, to forgive his enemies, how he loves to give everything away. And we are totally not like that, you know? It is totally other than, Jesus is totally other than uh, who we are. But um, by God's grace and mercy, we are able to, um, to give more and more of our hearts um, over, to, over to him. And I think a good way to do that, for me anyways, because it denies, it helps me deny my flesh. Um, but fasting is something that really helps me uh, get into the, into the Lord's presence. And fasting doesn't get God to do something, but it enables us to hear God more clearly, um, which I thought was a good way to put that. Um, anyways, so... Um, 
Basically, God is a merciful God, and he wants us to continually come to him and ask for, for that mercy um, that he loves to extend. Um, and then he wants us to come and just, um, with hearts of worship, just come before him and just ask for um, um, just more time with him. That's what he wants. He wants, basically, he wants our hearts to be um, fully engaged with his all the time. And he wants us to long to have those times when you're like, I don't want to spend time with my friends right now. I mean, I love them, but I want to go spend time with the Lord because he is the one that I want to be like. He's the one that's, you know, truly transformed um, my life and my heart. So um, I want to spend time with him. Um, And when we come and we spend time with him, we begin to be more like Jesus. And because of that, we're able to be... um, who we need to be in our communities and with other people. Talks about that in the first commandment too. The first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then love your neighbor. But the first thing, it's like God wants our hearts. He wants us to pursue him first. He wants us. And then through that, we're able to do the things that God's called us to do. So that's all I have. Um, Let me pray for us. Lord, we just love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your presence. God, we thank you that um, when we see you, God, that we are changed, that we are transformed in your image. God, I just pray that my heart and the hearts of everyone in this room, God, that we would leave knowing you more, that we would leave seeing more of you, God, that we would leave with a desire to spend more time with you. God, that you would be the one that we search out, that you would be the one that we seek, that we wouldn't look to the world for our identity, for our strength, for our purpose. God, that we wouldn't look to our friends, that we wouldn't look to our families. God, as good as that might, as good as they may be, God, but that we would look to you, that you would be the one that we bend our lives around, that you would be the ones, um, that you would be the one that we focus on. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would move in each of our hearts and each of our lives, God, that you would lead us and direct us more and more into your presence. God, that we would spend time with you on a daily basis, an hourly basis, second to second, God, that it wouldn't be enough, that we would constantly be longing for you. So Jesus, we just pray that you would receive all the glory and all the honor Because you truly are worthy of everything. You're worthy of our hearts. You're worthy of our lives. And we just give you all the glory and all the honor. In your name, amen.